Welcome to episode 631 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 631 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. you got to keep some positivity to the show today because I've been stewing on a few rants. So, uh, uh, and, and it, Well, I'm going to struggle with one of them, John, because <laughs> one of them I am shocked and dismayed. Yeah, so we've got to keep some positivity. Shocked and dismayed, John, but John... I always see that the, the glass half full, so we'll be right. We'll, we'll be, be right. right. Uh, I'm talking proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance, Your Buffer, and our patron. Let's name a few: John Murray, the Holy Hammer, Lapworth. We've got Adam Flipper, Philby, and Liam Robotry, Thedem Parry. Okay, and this week's show we've got some news. We've got a, a pretty good discussion of the week, actually. Uh, age group of the week, we've got an interview. We have. We've got Russ Cox on. Last week we were um, moaning and groaning about all the, not moaning and groaning, but we were sort of looking at the threats to our sport, you know, doing a bit of str- bit of SWOT analysis, Bevan. Yeah, we weren't yep. doing the the, uh, the SWA, but we were doing yep. the, the, the T, nice. and uh, there was a bit of negativity, so I wanted to get Russ on the show to talk facts, about we? how many numbers are participating in the sport. Good discussion with us, and then we also have Coach's Corner. A few questions and answers at the end, and that's today's show done. Okay, John, first of all, the news. Now, you're going to start talking about this because I've got to go shut those doors. Okay. But basically, coming up this weekend, we have the World 70.3 Championships. Pretty exciting times. It is very exciting times. So last year, uh, just to recap, we had Javier Gomez take it out after a fantastic run. Came home in a 110.30 uh, for a victory over Ben Canute who lit up the bike course and then uh, good old Tim Don he was in an admirable third place uh, on the female side uh, Daniela Reef basically killed everybody on the bike she put about five to eight minutes into the field on the bike uh, and won by nearly seven minutes over Emma Pallant and Laura Phillips so this year the race is being held in South Africa uh, so <clears throat> It is a beach start and a swim. Uh, now, this is rant number one. It's a rolling start at a World Championships. For what do you mean it's a rolling start? It's age group rolling start. It's a rolling start at the World Championship. What a joke. This what, what do you mean? So rolling start means... So it's like what they do at the Kona 70.3. So you have, you have your age groups. So yep. they'll go, right, at... 9.15, 40 to 44 men are starting. And you've, there's be, f- I don't know, say seven minutes to start. And they'll start however many at a time I'm not sure exactly what system they're using whether it's starting five at a time or you just run across the line but what it's going to mean is when you're running down the finish shoot you don't know if you've won you oh don't that know is stupid at a world championship absolute stupid. like I get rolling starts and definitely it seems to be something that people are liking in the sport and mm-hmm. it has its place at times in the sport but if you're if you're if you're at a world championship race where you're trying to win your age group and you're a competitive guy or girl or competitive athlete you want to know who's in front of you. PC Brigade has gone nuts. PC Brigade has gone nuts. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You're trying to reduce the drafting impact, but maybe have a few less people on the start line well, if you well, really want to do it, that or spread it out more. But the thing is, it's a 70.3, so it's not all day. It's not mm-hmm. nine men. They're doing the different age group, the different sexes on the different days. Yep, they've got time on their side. So you could have half an hour between each group almost. Mm. Yeah. Like, why couldn't you? I've got no answer for you, Bevan. John. It's ridiculous. That's the first time in your life you've never had this, an answer There's for me. so much good stuff about this event. I do want to be positive about it, but I really struggle with that. It, it, it seems just a bit stupid. 
it's not a bit stupid, it's very stupid. Do Anyhow. You know, do you know the wave start times by any chance? Uh, they're, they're, they're sort of uh, between five and about 15 minutes, gaps between them. Because if you went 20 minute gaps, that's really going to eliminate a lot of the problems. Yeah. And how many age groups you got? You got what? One, two. It's usually about 20 age groups, isn't there? So it's going to take you three hours to get everyone started. You got time on your side. I, 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 it's just a stupid decision. Sorry. I mean, you've got it wrong. Uh, At a world champs, stupid. Yeah. Bike course. I've got, uh, looks like a good bike course. Oh, 600 642 metres of elevation. So not heaps, but uh, enough to keep it interesting. So it's not going to be a pancake flat draft fest. Uh, initially, and this is something they seem to be focusing on uh, a few of the races, trying to have that uh, climb early on. So uh, initially, there's about 170 metres <clears throat> elevation gain spread over about five kilometres. So it doesn't look crazy steep, but it's enough to probably just get rid of the hangers on and try to just spread things out a bit. So I like yep. the look of the bike course. I do understand that in parts it might be a little bit rough in terms of the chip, but overall, <clears throat> you know, it's a bit up and down. The, view, the, the views look spectacular. I had a, a brief look at the, the video clip and uh, midway through the bike course, you're on the coastline, look beautiful. So enjoy that for those of you that are over there. John, just one thing, going back to the swim. <laughs> you're fixated on it. No, 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 no. Just to argument's sake, most of the top guys are going to start at start anyway. Well, at a world champs, you're going to have quite a few top guys. Yeah, yeah. It's so rolling starts five a time, is it? Well, it depends which system they use, or is it the one where you just decide when you go? And uh, in Kona at the seventy point three, which you won and you didn't get the glory of being first across the line. I did actually. Oh, okay, sorry. But luckily, I did. But uh, I quite, if I'd been a different age group, wouldn't have. Uh, there, they do five at a time every five seconds. Other races, it's just run into the water and your time starts when you cross over the And is it self-seeded in so Kona? It is both times, both times it's self-seeded. So I hope they have the second one at least. So at least if... Because if, if you're going to win it, you want to do it. Most guys are going to start in the main group, aren't they? Yeah, but still, it might, you might take a strategic decision going, I'm not going to. I'm going to start at the back and then I'm going to ride through so I don't have to deal with all the shit at the front. That's a consideration I would... Think about it at least, or entertain the fact, uh, and you may even get the odd sneaky person that might go. Sneaky well, person. they might go. I'm a bit of a shitty swimmer. I'm starting in this wave, and I know in the wave behind me there's going to be some weapons on the bike that I could ride with. So then, if I go at the back of my age group, wave. they might catch me up, and then I've got some allies. That's just you know, John, you're putting devil's advocate. People's here. So anyway, uh, the run course is looks relatively flat. There's only ninety. Three meters of elevation, so just a few little bumps in there. Uh, overall, I like the look of the course. Not that I've ever been there, but uh, nice bike course. Ocean swim should hopefully um, break things up a little bit. But small potential of some waves. The field looks fantastic on the pro side of it. Yeah, look, um, it's up with the girls. It's hard to see Reef going down, but Anne Haig. Anne Haig, uh, I, I'm so interested to see what she does both here and in Kona. Her runtime is predicted to be a 118.20, wow. uh, which is you know five to six minutes quicker than anybody else. So yeah, you've kind of got to assume that Danielle Reef is going to smack them, and Torsten's uh, ratings indicate that. Um, but yeah, outside of that, who's going to get second? Again, quality field. You've got Anne Haug, Kelly Fredrickson, Holscheidt, Lucy Charles, Heather Wordle, Emma Plant, Sarah True, um, Radka Carterfelt. So great great field Barbara Riveros is in there along with Paula Finlay so I gotta give WTC some credit for yeah. over the years 
you know, persisting with this event and, and trying to build it up. And I think they've done a really good job now in terms of getting the, the top pros there. The guys' side, I'm just excited about it. Very excited. What a race. Yeah. So you've got Jan Fredino, Alistair Brownie, and Javier Gomez. Um, Mano, oh, Mano. You've got to assume. Well, no, I suppose Brownlee's probably the one question mark there in terms of his fitness. Yep. But you would assume that's the podium uh, if none of them have uh, sickness or injury or. Um, yeah, something what going about wrong. Like a Braden Curry, potentially. You know, if those guys don't aren't at one hundred percent, he's he'll be nipping at their heels. So there's lots of other guys um, that will be nipping at their heels. The guys like Michael Weiss, who seems to just be running insanely fast wherever he goes. He can ride quick, but he's a, a crappy swimmer. Um, but you know, just a, a stacked field. You know, guys like Sven Rieder, Andreas Dreitz, as you said, Braden is, is Curry. Is Michael Rayleigh past his time? Oh, Michael Riley probably probably is, but you never yeah. know. He could yeah. he could pull one out of the box. Um, so quality field, but I think the excitement and the hype is going to be built around those front three, um, and whether or not you know someone like a Ben Canute can ride off the front and you know potentially team up with someone like a Brownlee if they want to just spank it off the front. Um, but I kind of think that those top three guys are going to be looking at each other and you'd think that Frodo and Brownlee are probably going to put want to put Gomez under some pressure on the bike because that's the probably the one unknown. You know Brownlee can ride like a bloody steam train and you know Frodo from his iron distance races can yep. ride amazingly. Gomez has done really, really well but we haven't seen him blitz people on the bike. So. It's interesting if you look at Thorsten's stats here because Thorsten's stats are based on previous results and Brownlee doesn't have a, a massive record in 70.3. Uh, he's got his run time as 115. I'm thinking if Brownlee's fit, it's going to be a little bit quicker than 115. Well, depending on the course, but you know, yeah. in comparison to Gomez and Frodino, uh, there's a three-minute three minute difference there, and Brownlee, you'd argue, is probably better on a three. Yeah, uh, it's just it's exciting times. For Kiwis and Australians, etc., a really good time zone for us to watch. It's Saturday and Sunday evening, uh, so we'll be finishing you know, at about bedtime. So oh, so what do you mean? What, what starts about? I think it's I, I looked last week or the week before and I think it was 5.30 start in the oh, evening good times. so finishing about 9.30ish so and what good times. female male male and yep, female same, same time it's Sunday night okay um, I hope Brownlee turns up fit yeah Markers are saying there's a chance he, he isn't he won't mm -hmm. which would be a pity because if we get these three guys Kona you know like obviously Fredino and Gomez are ready for Kona so they're mm. pretty in peak right now if, if Brownlee can turn up in peak how exciting is that for the sport? It's going to be great. <clears throat> Imagine on the run, those three coming off the bike together oh. and going head to head. <clears throat> Back in the ITU days, Brownlee quite often just run off the front yep. um, and just it'll be sort of all over, but he's not quite at that level as you've said. So you kind of think all three of them might be going head to head on the run. And, and it might just come down to guts. <clears throat> you know, and that's what we want, isn't it? Just that kind of three legends of the sport. Mm. You know, because when is the last time you had three legends of the sport? Oh. Racing together. Yeah. You kind of feel that almost always in these circumstances, one person's going to crap out. Whether yep. it be mechanical, injury, whatever. But I kind of get that feeling um, that one will crap out. Who knows who's going to be? Might be. be? Well, you'd put your money on Brownlee probably because yeah, yeah, he's, he's uh, look. Prize money's really good. Two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, forty five thousand dollars US for first, and it rolls down to tenth place, getting four and a half thousand. So you certainly do not want to finish in eleventh place. Uh, Lynette Wan sent through an email just saying age group male competitors is two thousand five hundred twenty, and in female age group registered is thirteen hundred and eighty. So pretty decent sized field if they. Get 
get that many, you know, again, you'll hear later in the show, you'd assume that um, normally, you know, 10% or so of those aren't going to turn up. Yeah. But if, if they get, say, 2,000 or 1,000, I think that's a result for South Africa, given the distance that everybody's got to travel to get there, uh, that would be an awesome result. That's that's pretty cool. And and also, because I split the days, mm. both days are big days. Mm. You know, both days are good days, you know, that you can really make the most of and kind of spectate and kind of get a part of, you know, being a part of a pretty cool event. So, well done to Ironman on that one. And also, we're going to give well done to a bit of an Ironman on this one as well. So, KPR, Tim Don did get the last slot. I picked it last week. Lots of people were saying he wasn't going to get it. And I looked at I counted it down and I thought, I think he's got the last spot. Yeah, and he's a did. genius. There's no denying it. Yeah. Uh, Matt Russell missed out by one place, but. Got a phone call from Andrew Messick saying, mate, you're in. So I think this is a, that's a good thing. However, is that stipulated in their rules that they're actually allowed to do that uh, in terms of As a pro. discretionary slots? Um, so again, I think it's a good thing. He, he went out there. He was got, Lance going to get a pro spot? Sorry? Was Lance, did Lance qualify? No. And he was going to get a slot? Well, yeah. You don't know that. That's, just, that's just you saying that. Oh, no, I thought he was no. pretty much... Oh, I was not in the books no. at that stage. Okay. Um, so Matt Russell, he's gone out there and he recently, you know, he's raced his heart out to, to try to get there. He misses out by one spot. So he's the first roll down to yeah. miss out. <clears throat> and yeah, I saw a post that he did get a call from Andrew Messick giving him a spot. I'm all for it. Totally, totally agree with it. But it's good, it should be within the rules that there is a discretionary spot. There certainly used to be. But I'm not sure if there still is. So if there isn't, they should change the rules to make sure that this is not a controversy of any, you know, any type. Um, yeah, this is a no-brainer. And also, you know, like one of the complaints that you've always had about the this, the coverage of the race when they get to the ABC show or whatever it's on nowadays, is it's too much of the sob stories, not much of the race. What's cool with this year's race is that story is going to be about the pros. Yeah, you know, that story is going to be Tim Don and Matt Russell. Absolutely. You know, and we're going to get big coverage of the pros. Through some pretty amazing stories to be back within 12 months, both of them pretty mind blowing, really. Uh, so, in a good way, this is a really great thing for the sport. I, I, if, you, if you've got a problem with it, you're a schmuck. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. That's our opinion. Yeah. Uh, we had some other results over the weekend with the Sunshine Coast 7.3, and we did say there's a couple of, kind of interesting things in there, but Dougal Allen John. Well, so firstly to, to the results, uh, we had, where are we, Sunshine Coast. Tim Reid took it out um, with a fast run at the end, but we'll come to that in a moment. He did a 3.42, good old Craig Alexander's still on the mix, uh, finishing second place. And Caroline Stephan had a really impressive result beating off uh, Annabelle Luxford, who's no schmuck over the 70 3 point as well, distance. it's her third time winning it. Yeah, I did yeah. notice on the guys' side of things that uh, it looked like a fairly decent sized pack coming off the bike, and it really did turn into a running race, whereas... Uh, Caroline Steffen, um, she rode nice and strong and ran a 119.07, uh, was a bit short, but still, that's a pretty solid run, so good on her. Um, yeah, we, we, one thing that did come out, I saw a post by Dougal Allen, he put it on Facebook, so we're allowed to say this, yeah. uh, he called out someone, because the, the male's oh, race, a name. he called out a number and said it was, I'm not sure for the exact words, it wasn't, Wait, he didn't I say it? drafting, he said, I think it was the most unethical behaviour he's ever seen on a bike before, and he called out the number. Uh, so if you want to check out what the number that is, go to Dougal Allen on uh, Facebook and find it out. It, it does look to me like there was some pretty shocking drafting in terms of, but the course doesn't lend itself to that. And that's a, it's just an interesting question going forward for both the pros and age groupers because it sounded like there was some horrific drafting in the age group race. If you're going to hold a mass participation race, being a 70.3 hour and Ironman on a flat course, 
This is becoming like a bit of a broken record. It's happening pretty much every single race, whether it be Barcelona, whether it be 70.3 over here, whether it be Texas, whether it be Florida. If it's a flat course and they've got lots of people on there, it's basically become a draft fest. He's got, can I say the number? Well, no. He said the number. Um, if you want to go and check it out, go and I'm check it out. just reading what he's put. Well, Get other people, get people to follow Dougal. Okay, follow Dougal, but he's got here, seeing some of the worst cycle ethics by a pro. Yep, that's you. Number. Dash, dash, dash. So there you go. In my life. Fiona Harding backs that up, saying that the run was one kilometre short, and uh, and I, I can vouch for that because I saw um, some run files, and it was 1K short, which is a bit shitty. The, the race directors, if you, you know. Especially in a run. Come on. Well, on a cycle, I get it. Sometimes loop courses are hard and that. Yeah. I think little races and stuff like that to go off little side streets can be a bit of a pain in the ass but for a race of this size I think they probably could have found that she also said uh, uh, also worst bike packs I have ever experienced in 15 years and I've raced she's got an I've raced on there in Florida (laughs) which says a lot and no one wanted to be in the pack but of course the course was just too congested so I think the rolling start really didn't work on that course and they should not uh, they should use the world champ course which was a single bike loop so mm. interesting stuff we also had another race what was it Zalem Zal- Say where they had the 70.3 world champs uh, a few years ago it got changed disaster into, changed into an aquathon and you sometimes go race directors are you a little bit soft it was snow was it I, I, I saw the video footage of the bike course it wasn't just cold man this is proper serious right. snow Blizzard. winter conditions it would like be driving up to a bloody ski field in New Zealand it was proper so I don't think any of the athletes would have been moaning about doing a swim it must have been f- Freezing. Could have been, yeah. It looked horrific. You carry on because this is another <laughs> interesting little bit. So, um, so due to snow, the bike course was of the race was delayed to one thirty and then changed to a swim run. Michael Weiss won the altered course of the swim run. His run time was one oh seven and second place Andreas I'm gonna say Gilmari. Gilmar. Uh who ran one ten. But the interesting thing was that it uh, Andreas interview at the finish line, he said it takes he takes the win because Michael Weiss is uh, has done two years for drug cheating, and once a cheat, you're always a cheat. He said it live on TV. Some believe in lifetime ban. The commentator said that Michael had served his time, was so it was welcome long to come and race. <laughs> I don't big, mind, but gutsy. But a big smackdown talk. Everybody's entitled to the opinion, and I'll, I'll maybe give my opinion. Would you do that? This. Would you do that? I no, I wouldn't have the balls to do no, it. I, I don't think. But if I put myself in um, Andreas's shoes. I, I do like, you do kind of think I'd like to give people a second chance. Yeah. Um, but if I put myself in a similar situation where we see, say, and um, we'll come to this later on, um, Alexander Vinokurov qualifying for Kona, and he's a cyclist uh, who's also been done for drugs. Uh, if I was sitting in second place and he'd beaten me. And took your slot? And took my slot. I'd like to say give everybody a second chance, but I think I'd struggle with that. It hurts when it hurts you most. Mm. You know, like Andreas. He, 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 he won it in his mind. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, John's RTU update. We had Montreal over the weekend. We did. And uh, we had some very impressive performances. Vicky Holland took out the. Oh, sorry. If you're listening to this, maybe give us a couple of minutes. And you, if you haven't well, watched it, you Well, I've, I've ruined the, the females' coverage, but come back in a couple of minutes uh, and, uh, and I'll try to wrap it up. Vicky Holland probably doesn't get enough credit. She's won three races this season uh, and she just ran away with it. Um, and, but the other side of the story is Nicholas Spurig is just a weapon. And had it not been for her, a breakaway on the bike probably. 
possibly would have stayed away and the results would have been totally different. But she basically brought all the groups, uh, well not all the groups, but most of the groups up to the front killing it they worked bloody hard on the bike and there was a lot of tired looking runners out there but Vicky Holland ran away with it relatively comfortably and what that does sets up the grand finale between her and Katie Zaveris on the Gold Coast and whoever finishes in front of one or the other wins the the series so oh, cool. sets it up nicely yeah. for the final race uh, on the male side of things uh, again great racing and there's just that bit of excitement at the moment because we always want that unpredictability. A breakaway got away on the bike, and they weren't schmucks either. You had Blumenfeld in there, and you know that he's going to run hard. They got a minute on the field. They broke away halfway through the bike ride, and uh, and a minute for a guy who's one of the fastest runners in the field anyway was always going to be close, but Mario Mola just laid it down on the run. Really? ran 29 minutes. He just doesn't look like he's running that fast, but he clearly is. Uh, and he caught him with uh, on the last lap and uh, won by a few seconds. So it was very impressive running by him, very impressive racing by Christian Blumenfeld as well. So Mario Moller is just killing it this season. And uh, yeah, it was a good, very good race to watch. So he's, because in the past it was like, if he doesn't stuff up early on the race, he's going to win. Mm. Has there been a difference? Um, <clears throat> his swim's improved, so he's he's normal. He's almost always in that chase pack, uh, and and he's often on the front pushing the bike as well. In okay. terms of if, if there's a break off the front, he'll be at the front. He won't just be sitting in the back going. I hope everybody else chases us so down. He's a bit more initiative now. He's he's contributing to the pace. So um, yeah, he's just and it's not affecting his running. It doesn't appear to be when he's running 29.48. Um, whereas, <laughs> yeah, Christian Blumenfeld was not a happy camper in his post-race interview. He was pretty grumpy that he didn't win. Oh, really? Because he put also it all disappointed out. himself. Yeah, and believes he, he, he can you know, beat uh, Mario Molas. So, good racing. John, what's coming up? I was, was going to do what the hell is going on, but I, I saw what's coming up. A couple other results. So, we had Sunshine Coast. Uh, we've done Montreal. Was there anything else? Oh, we had uh, 70.3 Vici. Maurice Clavel took that out along with Heli Fredrickson. Uh, Colin Norris, who we interviewed earlier in the year, an up-and-coming pro, he uh, finished second. And Jocelyn Corley was second on the female side. Uh, what do we have next, Bevan? We had... Uh, I've done some up. research on this one too, John, so... On what? What the hell is going on? Okay, just in terms of coming up this weekend. Oh, sorry. Uh, we've got the Austria Tri Petersdorf. You've got the Iron Extreme in Italy and the Sado International Triathlon in Japan, along with the Cologne 226 in Germany. So, John, what the hell is going on? Do you want to fire up about this? <laughs> well, uh, hold on. I'll I, find out. who You, you carry on because I'll find out who, who alluded this to me. Okay, so, so on the show notes, um, is it Ventum? Ventum, yes. Ventum Racing uh, sent through a PR release. If you if you follow them on Instagram, you could would have seen this. In celebration of 40th, 40th anniversary of the Ironman World Championships in Kaloa Kona, and our recent partnership, Ventum is proud to announce that we are able to provide the experience of Ironman World Championship in Kona. The purchase of one of the, the top of the line Ironman by Ventum branded Ventum ones, fully equipped with blah 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 blah. Big PR release here. Uh, will give a limited number of athletes and a unique opportunity to register for the 2018 edition of the Ironman World Championships. So basically what they're saying is if you buy our bike, you get a free entry. It was Jeff Bradley that forwarded this on to us. And he uh, knew you were going to be upset. <laughs> he was he, right. he was like, I want to get John angry. But these things, I kind of read them a couple of times just to make sure well, I've got it right. I've seen them in email. 
<laughs> yeah, and I've, I've got the response. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> but I didn't. I just seen it, and I was like, oh, I'm really interested. So I, I just wanted to see what they had come back with. So I, I sent them an email this morning. Well, fishing email. <laughs> <laughs> fishing email. They haven't actually got my original email. I, I wait a second. I'll find, I'll find my email. So you, wait. Oh, well, I think everybody's pretty, it's pretty obvious what my response is to this. I am blown away. And I think this is going to end up, hopefully, a result of what we're saying here, negative PR. Because this is just bullshit. You buy a bike. <laughs> it's bullshit. You're in the drawer. I just think, and especially given this brand is really at the high end serious ride. Well, you're about to find out how you're going to pay as well. Uh, then... They're the kind of people that are probably going to be on, maybe on that fringe. So, and, and somebody commented on their their post on Instagram, right? So, if you're riding a Ventum over in Kona that looks like this now, everyone's going to look at you and go, "Oh shame!" You're the guy. It's going to be Game of Thrones. Game, you've seen Game of Thrones? No. Oh, when she's walking down the street naked and was like, "Shame, shame." <laughs> <laughs> so I sent them an email this morning. Said, "Hey, can you let me know how much Ironman bike is for, and what the chances of me getting a Kona slot if I get one?" Um, I.e. how many socks do you have <laughs> I want to make sure I get a sock if I buy the bike <laughs> that's what I sent to them dirty bastard <laughs> hey well, it's good reporting so then I got an email back about oh about oh about an hour ago thank you for reaching out and your interest in Ironman by Ventum Kona race lot promotion in light of Ventum's partnership with and becoming an official bike of Ironman we have been offered the opportunity to expand the Ventum experience for our athletes and offer the limited opportunity of Kona socks blah 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 we still have slots available. Slots? Slots, plural, John. <laughs> Not slots, plural there. Once you are ready uh, to place your order for the blah, 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 I'm not going to be here, um, you automatically qualify qualified to receive the registration link from Ironman to secure your race entry for Kona. The registration fee is nine, so you still have your fee, $950 yeah. plus taxes, and bike purchase is limited to either two of the previously mentioned top-of-the-line Ventum builds, which apparently retail at between 15150 or 15300 which is obviously US. Right. So, John, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to Kona. Buying a bike for 20 grand. And, and obviously, there's no, it's not like the, the legacy where... In the past, you know, you know, you know, if you've done Kona before, so it's literally you could have done it past. Yeah. I've attached the quick fit, so it's just attached according to the measurements of the bike and blah 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 blah. So there's more than one. It's plural. It's oh you, you're gonna pay. You're gonna end up paying sixteen thousand bucks. Yeah. US. Yeah. And uh, but you do get a nice bike. Apparently, this is a shocker by AI man, but B Ventum. This oh, no, is it's not by them. It's by Iron Man. Yeah. But you know what? If you if you if you're a company, and you say this is good for my business, and they think it's a good thing. Now, but I think they think it is. Well, they're, they're, they're going to see the wrath, <laughs> the wrath of Iron Talk audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you, to me, it's Iron Man's letting themselves down here. Oh, totally. It, it's like, come on, guys, you can't get fifteen slots for gills. Yeah, been give it away to a company. No, I know that Ventum's probably paid a lot for this. It's Absolutely. you know, and they would have paid yeah. for licensing fees and all the rest of it. Um, and they do want to look after their sponsors, but this isn't the way to do it. That is a shocker. And I wonder how much more of this actually goes on that we don't realise in terms of other sponsors and gifting spots to executives and things like that. Oh, I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it does as well, but it's not acceptable, Bevan. Well, and but they didn't come back to me a number of slots because if you saw how I worded it, I was like, oh, how many slots do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know because I want to make sure. And they still have slots. Now, it was limited. You had to do it like pretty much in the next three days. Right. It was, if you look at the Instagram post, it's kind of like, or somewhere I read, it was kind of like, wait a second. Um, when we're over there, you can go and sit 
by the transition entry point and do the bike count with the guys from Slow Twitch and all the ones that do the bike count. I would be doing and that, you John. can count how many bikes go in. Or maybe we should delegate that to Mike the Swizzle Pizzle or uh, Belinda. Well, we will give it to Belinda. <laughs> she can count all the bikes. Problem is now, if you've bought this bike as the Ironman branded one, yeah. you probably want to ride it because people think you're... Yeah. You know? Good so point. Actually, it actually hurts that brand a little bit because yeah. people will think, oh, that's a, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, just not cool. Not cool. You know, like getting into Cone is hard and, and Legacy's great and if you've qualified, great. And, um, you know, and there has always been an aspect of the lottery, which, what's happening with that now? There's, there's some kind of system there, isn't there? Uh, didn't, last year you sent in a postcard and you were in the lottery. That's Can't right. remember what happened yeah, this year. Yeah, so. Um, sent in a postcard. <laughs> you did, you literally did. You sent in a postcard and you were in the drawer. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not good. It's really not good. So I'm um, sorry for the person who sent me the email, but I, I was just doing good reporting. Yeah, I'm not going to name their name. They were quite nice in their response. So, but I was just I just wanted to see what was the cost really going to be because you're dropping 15k on a bike, mm. and the problem is, it just rewards a rich person, doesn't it? Mm. You know, like it. Like how many people? You know, we, we always thought the. Remember, triathlete magazine used to always put out the who is the average triathlete for their marketing and it said mm. you know the average triathlete earns 150,000 or something a year and then someone else did some research and you can't remember we did that interview with that guy and he was like actually oh, yeah. that's just triathletes pretty much the average person yeah you know the average is you know earning an average wage and you know yeah. like it's kind of just you and I really and so you know it's like not many people have 15k to drop on a bike in the next three days mm. so obviously and that's the other thing as well there's still slots available mm. so it's obviously not a booming so Crazy, crazy little thing called love, John. Monday course accuracy. Uh, we haven't got any this week because uh, there was no iron distance. Okay, let's do sponsor. The sponsor. Extreme. Well, you do this. Endurance. I'm going to do the count up on the next one. The what? Oh, you you get what I mean. Okay. Uh, Okie dokie. So extreme endurance. Remember the promo code IMTalk20 to get all your gear. Uh, I've got lots of athletes heading over to the Gold Coast from Christchurch all stocking up on their extreme endurance to get their little boost. Uh, They've also got the protein. So you guys that are training nice and hard, want to enhance your recovery, get yourself a two pound uh, bag with 30 servings in it, maximise your recover, refuel with 1800 milligrams of lactate, uh, supports new lean muscle growth, fortified with vitamins B6, B12 and D. It's got 18 amino acids and for you guys that are gluten free, it's gluten-free, hydrogenated oil-free, preservative-free, and trans-fat-free. So get on it, guys. Remember the promo code IMTALK20 and get your muscles repaired nice and fit uh, quickly with the protein. And they've got the vanilla flavor, which is delicious, and also I am a bit impartial to the chocolate as well. So check it out, xendurance.com. Need to talk for about another... And alternatively, you can go to the .co.uk website or the .eu. And if you're just coming up to a race, use their standard extreme endurance. And it only you only need a few days on it to actually get the boost. If you want to boost your overall training, then you need to be on it all the time, obviously. But uh, check it out. Mm, John, we had a discussion of the week. And I'm just trying to... Trying to so I'll, I'll carry on. So discussion of the week this week was uh, Bevan wanted to know whether you guys kind of value the Olympic gold medal above winning the Hawaii Man. Now, so, now one one thing that I Facebook do do surveys, but unfortunately the way they do it, you can only put two entries in. So right. I couldn't do I couldn't do a poll as such with all the options. Mm. So I just did it as a post in the end, and um, overwhelming. You, you write. 
Yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing a count-up. So you, you're right right now, and I'm, I'm just going to do a count-up. Overwhelmingly, it seemed to me that uh, Olympic gold was uh, the the, the favourite of the two. There is a few cone, a few Kona's. So David Landy winning Kona, same principle as Man City winning the Super League, sustaining the same level of competitiveness over an IM season and remaining injury-free in time for a race like Kona is pretty amazing in my opinion. Shout-out to ITU, though, similar principle. Uh, David uh, no, Drew Sapp uh, Olympic gold the best athletes uh, in the ITU series and are racing in the Olympics throw on top of it they only roll around once every four years and it's an easy answer I would go out and say winning an Olympic medal in general is a bigger deal than any of the other three and I think that's the main thing Olympics only rolls around every four years you've got it you probably only get one or two some some of the legends get two, maybe three chances. Kona is there every year, so there's that little bit less pressure. If you cock it up, then you're going to get another chance at it. With the Olympics, you got that pressure cooker of everything building up. You cock it up on that one day, then it is all over. Um, it's not actually overwhelmingly. So if I just accumulated all the answers here, um, basically it's about... Uh, Keep going. Sorry, I've got to keep counting. <laughs> uh, Jay Buckley, the question was asked on Slow Twitch a while ago. According to Jan Fredino, the Olympic gold medal, and he's somebody that would know because he's won both, and he's, is he the only, what other Olympic gold medalists we've had? So we had Simon Whitfield, he hasn't done Kona. You've got, here's my little test, so you if I can remember all the male winners. You've got Simon Whitfield won 204. Um, Hamish Carter was 20, no, he won in 2000. Hamish Carter was 204. He never did Kona, never did I think he even did a half iron man. No, he, uh, he he quit. He yeah. was like, I'm done. Mm. Which is a pity because how do you reckon he would have gone? Well, he was a weapon, weapon on the bike in terms of his ability on the hills and stuff. Um, in terms of straight out time trialing, don't know. Um, so he won 204, 208 was for, you know. Two was, he a, was he a kind of athlete who would have transitioned? Because well, he was a bit of a lean machine. <clears throat> You wouldn't have thought him as a power strong athlete. Yeah, I think he probably would have done right. Yeah. It's just whether mentally he wanted to do it or not. Obviously not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 208 was Fredino. 212 was um, Brownlee, so we haven't seen him yet. And 2016 was Brownlee as well. On the females, you had Bridget McMahon. She, I think you know, she did some iron distance stuff, but never did particularly well. She was like a one, one race wonder. Um, wonder, Who won in Sydney? Wonder why. Uh, oh, that's two, right. Yeah, because she got done later on, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, 204 was... Kate Allen, she did Ironman, but again, she was a bit of a one-race wonder. Um, did okay at Ironman, but nothing special. 208, where was that? that was why, why is it that we see more one-race one, one wonders in the Olympics for the females? Don't know. You can think that one through. Oh, <laughs> really? It's been like that, is it? Uh, so we're up to 208. Where was, uh, 208 was Beijing. Beijing. That would have been Snow Sul. Yep. And she never did Iron Distance stuff. Hard to know what she would have been like. She would have run people down from bloody 20 minutes behind. 2012, that was Spirig, wasn't it? Spirig and Norden. Yeah, if Spirig did Ironman, she would crush it. Like, you wouldn't believe. She's, she's done one Ironman, she won that. But if she focused on it, she would But she's still racing, isn't she? She's well, she, still, she, yeah, she yeah, killing yeah, it. Yeah. She would kill it. Uh, in 2016 was Gwen Jorgensen, so we're not going to so see that. It's pretty amazing still so strong. Oh, yeah, she's just a weapon. So she would crush an Iron Man if she did it. Seriously. Okay, so numbers wise, just based on your guys' votes, you know, not one hundred percent accurate because I kind of just pulled it off there. But thirty-eight people went for Olympic gold, twenty-two went for Kona <coughs> overall. Mm. So, so what do you look at when you think about this? Well, you think of legacy. So, a like hundred years from now, what will be remembered? 
Well, you, that's you look in the triathlon community, and that I, I would say depends on what tri- you know what in triathlon you probably say Conan. I probably would because I don't think many people would be able to name all the Olympic. Well, gold you look at America. Like I've just done now. You look at America in triathlon. It's I mm-hmm. mean all that matters. Yeah. So I would say potentially in, in triathlon world it would be um, Kona in terms of if if you use that criteria for 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 judging it, saying who. You know, who name, if you walk in the room, you walk in a room of five thousand triathletes. Hamish Carter walks in. And we won't say Jan Frodeno because he's quite recent. Peter Reid walk in. Who's more of a star? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say Peter Reid. I'd say Hamish Carter because he's Kiwi. But, yeah, but if you I, went generally speaking, you probably would say Peter Reid, wouldn't you? Hmm. Um, I, I totally agree. Financi- financially, I, you definitely would assume that the Olympic medal was going to give Well, I think it depends fortune. on the country. You know, lo- 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 look at... Um, lo- who was, we interviewed on Legends. Which one would that be? The oh. last one. Uh, Sheila Tormina? Yeah, uh, she got Olympic gold in swimming. Normally it was relay, but it was in America. You, if they win so many Olympic golds, mm-hmm. maybe you get a little bit lost. Whereas Hamish Carter winning Olympic gold in New Zealand, well, mm-hmm. that set him up for life. Yeah. So but, I think it is a bit more... Would she have done any better if she'd won Ironman Hawaii and, and been the same level of athlete, you know, won, won it once and not won it again? I think know? in America it probably would. Mm. You know, because America, when was the last time we had... Depends how you work it as well. Yeah, it does depend on your ability to make money off your off your mm. your, your leverage. Um, what are your thoughts, John? Um, it's, it's very very hard, but I'd probably you know if, if it was just me personally, I would think I would go the Olympic medal uh, because it's that once in a four year challenge. It makes and, it a harder thing to win, doesn't it? And financially, I think you'd you'd again looking at New Zealand situation, I think you'd be setting yourself up a lot better financially. Um, I also do think it means a lot more to a country, even though if you look mm-hmm. at like the Americas and the Chinas who have, in the UK who have win lots of medals, you go anywhere in, in any country and say you won Olympic gold, like New Zealand, remember every Olympic gold medalist, you know, mm-hmm. it's a big thing in New Zealand to have that. Now we're a small country. Um, being a Kona winner is cool. Erin Baker's recognised in New Zealand. Oh yeah, she's a different case. You know, if you put someone like a, Terenzo in there if he wins Kona say next year 20 years from now he won't be held to the same regard as Hamish Carter mm. yeah totally yeah. yeah so it is very country dependent mm. I do think it's a harder race to win because it is only four years yeah and so you you know whereas if you look at like a Mecca he got six opportunities at Kona before he got there mm-hmm. you know now in the Olympics over that time period he would have had two chances you know, so you really. At the same time, though, you've got a lot of opportunities to get your shit right. And when you're racing short course, whereas Kona, you've only got one chance. Yeah, but how many of the guys have we interviewed Kona, on Legends yeah. who just didn't get it right on the day mm. in, the, in the Olympics? Who potentially, mm. if, it had, if it was every year, who won world, like, like a Bevan Doherty? Mm-hmm. You know, although he got medals, he never won the gold medal, but he'd, did he ever win a world championship? Yep, he one. did. Yeah. Yep. So you, if you look over an eight year period, which is probably the average lifespan of most triathletes, mm. If you look at World Series wins in ITU, there's many of people who have won those or won World Championships but haven't won a gold medal. Mm. So I think, in my mind, I say it's harder to win the gold medal. Mm. It has more prestige to Joe Public, less mm-hmm. prestige to triathlon community, um, or on par. Yeah. If it's just opinion-based. Yeah. Just different. But I do think it also has more opportunity to open doors. Mm. Like, if you're... Long term doors as well, because mm-hmm. Hamish Carter, ten years from now, could probably still go do something on TV. 
and people would know who he was. So mm. ultimately, and that's what the audience said, 38 votes went to Kona, uh, the Olympics, 22 went to Kona. Interesting discussion, but, and, and I think those two are the big game players. What do you reckon, would be, what would you rank after that? Because I had, I didn't put the ITUs on there, which someone mentioned after the fact. I had uh, 70.3s or ITU World Series Championship. What would you put second and third or third and fourth? Um, probably 70.3 World Champs. Oh, really? Yeah. Over the, over the Series Championship? Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. I wouldn't have put that. I thought you would have gone that way. Financially, you'd be better off winning the series because yeah. you would have won the money from All the races. individual races. But I'm much more of the opinion I, I like the one-off races. Yeah. And uh, so it may not work out financially, but I think that would be, um, yeah, given the strength of the field these days, quite a bit of prestige. But if we look at... I wish they'd bring back the world champs for bloody... Come on, ITU! Yeah. It is have a letdown, isn't world it? the World Series. There's still a lot of prestige for winning the World Series, but have a World Championships. Yeah, it's like, yeah, totally. You, you, you want to have both, don't you, John? Mm. Come on. Well, the, but the thing is, if we were push to on say... Be, push on, Bevan. No, 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 because <laughs> if we go second, third, I'd actually say ITU, because can you name all the um, 7.3 World Champs? I'd be, I'd be able to give that a good crack. Like, you're a freak. Yeah. You know, like most people wouldn't be able to name many of the world 70.3 champs. I think mm. maybe in 10 years from now, it would have gone up in level. Mm. But at this stage, ITU will get more recognition. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you can remember all the ITU guys. You used to be able to. It was all based on location, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Find location. Yeah. John knows the answer. Okay. So that's this week's interesting discussion. Next week, we're going to go into the goat. I finally convinced him. Oh, um, is the goat the right word? I'm, I'm going to you wrote goat here, John. Oh, yeah, I'm going you to come wrote up goat. With, I know, but I'm going to come up with a different word because it's going to be greatest of the decade. So it's going to be a goat. No, we're going goat. We're going to goat. goat. It's um, going to be the god. Greatest of decade. There you go. Who is the god Oh. And then we'll end up with a goat at the end. So we, well, basically I was saying last week on the show, what we want to try to figure out is what's the criteria you need to figure out that thing? Things like, you know, what was your competition like? You know, like you look at Mark Allen and say, well, it's pretty easy to say. He's obviously the best of that decade. But what was the competition like? Is, you know, like if we look at Frodo right now, is it, is it harder to win the world championships right now? Things like, did, what was the impact on the sport outside of the sport? You know, those kind of questions when we think about the goat or the god. Um Remember bullet points? Bullet points. What is the criteria we want to think about when we put the context around how do we find these people in the different decades and at the end of it all? Put that on the Facebook post as well. Remember bullet points. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah, most people don't listen to the show before they start commenting. So in brackets, remember bullet points. You know points. what I always find really funny? Who does Richard Swanee know I work for? I think he used to ANZ, work for ANZ. Yeah. <laughs> He's always quick to respond to it. I'll put the discussion up and literally a minute later <laughs> Swanee knows straight in there so I'm thinking when you work for ANZ you might get a bit of Facebook time that's all I'm saying hey he obviously does a great job uh, let's put some music on Jumbo Age Cripple of the Week. John, we've got a good email through from Flynn, the Professor Zwager. He's got, I'd like to have my friend David Lebouchier just qualified for his fourth successive Kona by winning his age group 55-59 at Ironman Tallinn in his third Ironman in four months. David joined the 55-60 to 60 age group this year and was aiming for the double by racing the World 70.3s and Kona. 
The 70.3 Worlds qualification came relatively easy for David and was fully set on winning Ironman South Africa when he fell ill just two days before the race. Against all odds, uh, against all good and sensible advice, he willed himself to the start line having been unable to hold up any food for 48 hours. The swim was just about not trying to throw up, the bike was only burning fat and the run was just about keeping upright. He still came fifth, which is pretty amazing really, isn't it? Uh, but short of a slot. Plan B came Ironman Lanzagrotti a month later. The iconic bucketless race he executed well, but another fifth place wasn't enough. Quite radically, changing training and hydration strategy, dropped ha- training by half, drink twice as much. Ironman Tallinn two months later became his plan C and he won. David puts all out there by very publicly declaring he, his aims to be the Ironman Age Group World Championship at the age of 65, or however long it takes until all competition is tied off. He usually calculates risks and gnaws all of the naysayers, including myself. He is an inspiration to our large triathlon community here in Dubai, and I'd like to nominate him for Age Group of the Week. P.S. Once I join David's Age Group, in a few years from now, my man crush will be over, and I'll be back to slashing his tyres. And David is also racing 70.3 World Champs this weekend. This weekend. So. Work. It's a pretty tricky journey to get to Kona, so it's a lot of racing. He's done his third three Ironmans within four months. He's then doing 70.3 champs, and then he'll be going to Kona. And, he, and, and he's put it out that he wants to win his uh, age group eventually at the World Champs um, at age 65. And when you, as, as Finn said, when you do put things like that out there, people like to pull you down a few pegs. You, you know, I always think you, we often program people how they think about us. <clears throat> you know, like, what's the question people always ask you, John? When you're going to, when you let's say you're going to a party and someone comes up to you and they say, "What's the question they ask? How's training going?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, mine's what? how's training. Or, or for some reason, people want to know how my business is going in Wellington. How's it going in Wellington? No, right. uh, you know, there's kind of the three questions you get asked in life. Mm. Now, for good old David, the question's going, "How's that plan going for 65?" because yeah. <laughs> he's putting it out there, so he's programming his will to think how, what, you know, what, what should we expect from him? So. Good He's luck. building up that stigma is I'm going to go out there and give it my best crack no matter what. Don't know if I'd go out and race if I was vomiting uh, uh, in terms of actually trying to go out there and lay down a smack. But... And he's also got a bit of envy because he's gone over and done Lanzarote as well. So, so good work, David, and good luck this weekend. David Labouchere. You are out. Age group, group of the week. week. It does actually bring up an interesting discussion. Uh, like for you, do you put it out there? Oh, normally. Like I said, you know, I want to... Um, Want to do very, very well in Kona when, when yeah, I was building out there, there and yeah. I said, I think I'm capable of a top five if everything goes perfectly. Yep. And when I went to Rote, you know, it clearly said that, you know, sub nine hours. So generally, and it does add a bit of pressure. Because um, some people like be won't tell anyone because mm. they, they want to stay safe. And some people do put it out there because they're like, like a Mecca mm. who would lay it on the line because that brought the best out of him. But I don't think there's a right formula. It's the formula that works for you. Okay, okay John, we've got a great interview with Russell Cox. He is coachcox.co.uk. Uh, he's kind of the age group geek of our world. So here is Coach Cox right now. Right, guys. Uh, last week on the show, we were discussing. We get, people were sort of <coughs> having a bit of a moan and groan about the threats to our sport, which is all good. You know, you've got to look at what's uh, what's going on in the sport. But 
but it was sort of coming up that people were thinking numbers are plummeting and we're in a really bad space. And so I thought we'll get Russell. We want the facts. Yeah, I thought I'd get Russell Cox, uh, Russell Cox from coachcox.co.uk, who is the world-renowned age group statistician. If you take Torsten for, for pros, Russ uh, does a fantastic job looking at you know how to get to Kona and looking at all the stats for age groupers at different uh, events. So welcome back to the show, Russ. Hi there, guys. Right, so give us give us the the, the dirty on it. You know, um, first up, I thought we'd look at how many Ironmans there are in the in the world, and um, and how that sort of changed over the years since you've started collecting stats. Sure. So, uh, just talking uh, uh, Ironman branded races. There's currently uh, for this year uh, uh, forty one, um, and if we go back to two thousand eight, uh, it was about twenty. Nice. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. so it it's doubled basically, and that that's um for most of this I've worked in terms of qualification years, so that's August to August, mm. um, just because it fits uh, more neatly with Kona when you're considering some of the other things uh, in terms of participation mm. uh, statistics. But yeah, basically, if you go back to 2008, you will see uh, there were 20 races. Um, and yeah, uh, last year there were uh, 2017, there were 42. This year there's 41. Nice. Um, full distance Ironmans. And, you'd, you'd and probably... it's kind of. You go ahead, sorry. Sorry, yeah. It, it's really started increasing in the last six years. Um, mm. It was level around 20 for till around 2011, 2012, and then it's ramped up. And, and back before that time, back in like 2008, was there a kind of a consistent number of people at races, or do you have those kind of stats? So before 2008, it gets a bit hazier uh, just because the, they weren't putting the result or they put a lot of results online. But prior to 2008, it's a little bit hit and miss in terms of the quality of some of it. Okay. Mm. So I've, I've kind of stuck to post 2008. Yep. Um, I think uh, race number wise, there was a little bit of variation, but not very much for quite a while back mm. then. Um, so 20, I think, was around where it sat. Uh, for a good few years mm. um, and, and you know that was a time when in terms of things like Kona slots you had races that took 100 slots um, uh, 75, 60 uh, whereas now you don't get those same numbers or not as many of them mm. um, I'd, I'd probably, so it's very different in that respect I'd probably guess out, out, I, know, I know you don't click the stats on non-Ironman uh, races but I'd say that be at least another sort of twenty to maybe even thirty. I know some of them are, uh, are sort of combined with with halves and and sort of festival yeah. events, but I'd I'd be guessing there'd be another twenty or thirty. Have you, have you, have you ever looked at that? Uh, I've not looked in, in that much detail. I mean, I I know you know Challenge has expanded in that same time. Mm. Um, I I've never I've analysed some of Challenge results, but not all of them. And then you've got. Uh, you know, in the UK, you've got races like the Outlaw, and mm. I'm certainly seeing on the coaching side things like, um, uh, you know, the Norseman is kind of expanded out into a little series. So you've got mm. the Kelp Man, and I've got someone racing down in Patagonia for one this year, a new one. So, mm. yeah, certainly uh, sort of not necessarily the hard stats, but on the coaching side, I, I keep getting new iron distance races that people bring to me and, and say i want to race here mm. um and and yeah I, I don't think i don't think the growth is limited to iron man um 
so obviously I, I guess they get the bigger numbers overall. Mm. So, so looking at sort of uh, the, the numbers of participants at events, um, fill us in on your stats there in terms of, you know, averages and, uh, you know, minimum number of people at races, maximums, so the actual number of pa- people participating in the sport. Okay, so again, working on Kona years here, uh, if we look back at 2008, there was just under 40,000 athletes listed um, in, in results, uh, and this will include for the most part, athletes who didn't start as well, as generally they all get put up on the website. Mm. Uh, nowadays, uh, this year, there was over 80,000 athletes mm. uh, competing in Ironman uh, races uh, in their results. The actual uh, kind of, what that actually means for races is interestingly, the number of competitors per race. So the average number of competitors in a given race is just around 2000 and it's fluctuated either side it kind of peaked somewhere around uh, 2011 and, and kind of for a few years around there it was up near 2100 2200 now it's just under 2000 people per race uh, kind of averaging it out um which is really interesting because the, the growth strategy basically sorry. has put more races on really isn't it like they haven't yeah yeah exactly yeah so there was a, a, as the races grew um you get a little bit of a dip kind of each time they put in a new number of races so between 2011 and 2012 there were nine new races added to the calendar Mm. and you see the average number of people each race drop from 2250 down to 2050 so 200 people per race dropped out but then it starts to grow again uh, and then they add another load of races, kind of 2014, 2015, uh, and it drops back down again. But since 2015, the actual number per race uh, hasn't really grown. It's, it's, if anything, declined very slightly um, whilst the races have crept up a bit. So really, in the last four years or so, numbers haven't changed as much Um they have gone up very slightly in terms of total numbers, but in terms of average per race, they've come down. What about um, um, minimums and maximums? Because I know there'll be some smaller races in terms of, you know, maybe some of the, the Asian races. I know that they're picking up really nicely. Say Ironman New Zealand's a bit smaller. What about those really big ones, like um, <clears throat> the ones that sell out? How many people do they generally have participating at those versus the, the sort of the small ones? So... The biggest number of entries I, I've kind of got recorded is 3,226. Now, that will include a lot of people who didn't start. I would guess that for that race, I'd have to pick it out, but I would guess it would be around like 2,600, 2,700 starters. Mm. Um, and that's the biggest, but there's been a lot of races over with over 3,000 entrants um, over the years. Uh, and that kind of high kind of 2,500 plus actual starters. Um, at the low end, it kind of dips down to uh, 345 is the lowest I found in the oh, last wow. 10 years. And that was uh, Los Cabos. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it was the last time they ran Los Cabos. <laughs> I wonder uh, why. Yeah. Low, <laughs> yeah. It had always been a smaller race. Um, but yeah, that, that was the last time they ran it. But then uh, Taiwan last year was about 430 uh, mm. people. Um, so they have a few that, that are under 1,000, but not many. 
and I don't think they often stay around that long uh, if they're below a thousand and, and not kind of picking up. Um, there's a good amount that fall in that thousand two thousand range at various points, and there's definitely a group of kind of that two thousand ish two thousand five hundred uh that, that, that's their kind of solid draw year on year out um and i don't think a lot i think a lot of it is to do with particular races more, more than than anything else whether it's location or their their name because it, i don't see it changing that much um if i look at kind of race numbers over the years if i take races like austria or lake placid they fluctuated but within a kind of the same band for the last kind of 10 years. Um, Looking looking at your website, it's really interesting because you're at Kona and Kona's basically gone up by about a thousand people in the last 10 years, really, isn't it? It's uh, not quite, but it's heading that way. It's certainly, it's increased uh, pretty much year on year since, uh, yeah, about a decade ago. So yeah, about 2008, I think it was 1800 of people. Yeah. Last year, obviously, we don't. I don't know these. I know the numbers for this year in October, but it was two thousand four hundred plus. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is six six hundred more this year uh, or last year over two thousand and eight, uh, and that has pretty much grown over the whole span of things. They've they've added usually around you know it, it's varied, but but you're kind of talking like forty fifty places here and there there's a bit of a jump 2014 to 2015 where they added about 130 uh new places but otherwise it's been steady um one thing that i asked you to have a little look at and and bevan's got the graph in front of us right now is sort of doing a few little case studies on on different races you know i thought maybe ironman uk maybe new zealand um, america brazil just some some different markets because often we only look at those really big races so have you seen any sort of trends um amongst those the data in, in different regions uh or is it by and large you know staying pretty steady for for race it varies with race so you see like in in the chart i did produce the uk has kind of had a bit of a a growth spurt around 2012 Mm. and then it's leveled out again um you know there's kona is on there and it's that kind of steady progression Uh, and i I think obviously the thing with kona is because lots of people want to get there as long as they add space it's going to fall they can add that they they can fill it um you look at something like lake placid or austria the bigger kind of long established races and they fluctuate but they kind of stay around the same point um and same with new zealand brazil has seen growth overall um and i think it kind of depends on the race but a lot of them seem to come in uh and if it's either coming really popular around two thousand odd people and and float around there or uh settle somewhere in the middle um i think a lot of races actually stay at quite similar levels unless something happens that puts people off Mm. um i'm sorry yeah as i said so los cabos as an example i know that there were a number of years where there was tough weather conditions you know tough sea conditions they changed the course a bit to try and deal with it uh, and it never really got the momentum from that. Um, and, and so instead you saw that decline. But other races have seemed to kind of build up a bit of a, a reputation um, and, and, and grow. So I think like 
UK has managed that now, and and Ironman Wales, kind of thinking more locally, would be another one that's done similar and, and kind of established itself and built on its reputation. It's, it is interesting, isn't it? Because they they do seem to have a if you build it, they will come kind of philosophy because it seems that when they put a race on they're going to pull off somewhere between a thousand to two thousand athletes sure they are the outliers but generally speaking they've doubled their races they've doubled their numbers the participation numbers have stayed the same you know really as long as they put races on it seems that people are going to turn up yeah i mean so far it's grown that way i i mean it feels a bit like if you look at the last four years they've certainly not pushed growth any more above 40 and i don't know if that's anything to do with kona and the fact that they'd really have to stretch the slots much thinner um they did do uh that little experimentation with ironman weymouth a couple of years ago where they tried distributing the slots slightly differently and having a pool for everyone over 55 as, as almost one age group effectively um but then they they dropped ironman weymouth the next year anyway uh so they've, they've tried a few other things, but they seem to have kind of leveled out in the last four years. Uh, and, and if they're going to add races at this point, they need to either add slots at Kona or uh, as they have done or um, spread it thinner um, than they do at the moment. So whether that's a limitation, I don't know. But generally, yeah, in, in terms of if they put on a race, they can usually get a thousand to two thousand people. If it's in a good enough look at the right location, yeah. somewhere people are willing to go. Do, do you think they, um, they like, it, based on what you're seeing right now, although we're, we're kind of just fortune telling right now, but do you think that we may have hit, hit kind of peak number of Ironmen? Um, <laughs> it's certainly plateaued for a while. Uh, I don't know. It kind of feels, if you look at the average participants per race, that at the moment adding a race isn't, it, the, is, is spreading people over more races rather than necessarily increasing the number of people and certainly if you look at the growth it, it's flattened over the last kind of four years um and yeah they haven't had as many races but given they would for most of those races sell more places if they could um you know the, the ones that are in that thousand to two thousand range i'm sure they'd be happy to go to two thousand five hundred if the demand was there um it's obviously not simply a case of we can just keep throwing races out and people will fill it that they've got to pick it carefully. I mean, that said, there's, um, there's a new race, isn't there over uh, coming to in Ireland, isn't there next year? Mm. Um, so that'd be an interesting test. I've certainly had people say to me, Oh, I've got to do that one. Um, because of the location. Uh, and that could be a draw at the start. And then I guess if it, if it proves to be a, a you know, a decent course or one that interests people, it might gather that momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Just, yeah, they're, they're still adding and trying new things. So, One, th- one comment you made before, um, you know, say a race that might have 3,300 entries, yet they might only have 2,600 starters. That's something that blows me away. Like if I go to the, the Kona 70.3 each year and the number of did not start to have entered it just blows me away so um what sort of rates do you do you see and did not finish and did not start and and has that changed much over the years so the 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 thing with 
the stats on DNF and DNS is the way Ironman used to present results mix them up quite a lot. So it's never been easy to clear cut until the last couple of years when they got much clearer in what they put online. Um, so it's always a little bit blurred. What I do know is if you look year on year at the number of the percentage of finishers for each race, mm. it kind of averages out around uh, sort of 18 to 20% uh, uh either DNS or DNF. Um, and so I would say probably you're looking at around 10% DNS rate uh, for most races and something under 10% for DNF, unless, you know, there's a particular circumstance or around the race that, that boosts that number. Um, but yeah, that's actually been pretty consistent over the years. It's not really shifted much. Um, the same sort of number of people either don't make it to the start line or don't make it to the finish line. Just, just one of the ones you've got here is the distribution of finishes times. It seems that the sport's getting slower. So that's, um, that's something that I think a lot of people talk about, a lot of people uh, think about. Um, you know, it, it, it all comes into that question of, is it getting harder to qualify for Kona? You know, is this sport becoming more of a participation sport mm. rather than just a competitive sport? Um, so what I what I have done as well is I've I, I've done distribution charts of finish times and looking at all the races and and how it compares between 2008 and 2018 and, mm. and some of the years in between. And it does. Well, the interesting thing is at the very front of the race of, of the races, there isn't actually that much change. So. There's a similar percentage kind of doing that kind of 8.30 to 9.30 time for age groupers. Yep. Um, you know, it's a small percentage, but it's a similar between the two years. Now, obviously, because there's more people, that's going to be more actual people finishing under 9.30 yeah. now. But um, what's probably more notable is when you get to the middle kind of times, once you get to 11 hours through to kind of uh, 13 hours, 14 hours, you start to see that, 2018 has fewer people finishing kind of well actually between kind of 10 10 30 and 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 13 hours and then more people finishing after that so as you go back past 14 hour finish times you start to see higher percentages all the way to to the end of the race um and that's what was interesting is then if i broke down and had a look at some intermediate races it almost looks like it kind of trends between the two. So as you step kind of year by year through, the graph slowly changes from the 2008 chart to the 2018. So it, it almost looks like a gradual progression to this broader spread. Um, and I think I see it when I do the individual race analysis, I often kind of feel like I see now you kind of get, you look at the top 20 in each age group or perhaps a smaller number than that, maybe the top 10, and they're often very similar to previous years and you'll have people in there beating previous times still. Uh, but then you'll look at the whole race as a whole and it will look slower. And maybe you'll notice that there's a bit more kind of weight. There's a bit more going on in that back half of the race. Um, so I, I, I think the front is actually quite similar to what it was before. There are some people who are faster and there are more people in that group simply because there are more people racing now. But the way it's actually gone is there are more people coming in towards the back of the race um, than we used to see. Yeah. Uh, and, and so some of that 
growth has, has actually been kind of filling in in that area, that kind of 14-hour-plus region. Um, that's where a lot of new people have been coming in. So, so I guess bottom line, you know, a lot of people are going to be listening to this, you know, that are that are on the fringe of qualifying. You know, they're sort of looking at the numbers and they, you know, the feedback I get is, oh, it's it's getting so much harder to qualify every year. So, is that not the case that you're seeing in terms of? I guess there's two sides of that. One is the number of slots at each race is, is often going down and, now, and, and often forty. Yeah. Um, so, is it actually getting any harder to qualify than what it was, say, back in 2008 when you factor in the number? Number of slots and the actual speed of the participants i think it probably is mm. uh and i think it's mostly because of the number of slots um people uh, there are definitely a lot of fast athletes out there um and you see that you see some at every race and i think but i think there have has been for years uh and maybe not necessarily at the same level at back in 2008 that may have progressed a little bit from that but I think the big change is the number of slots. So, like I said, if you go back just to 2014, there were races with 100 slots still then. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then, then there were races with 75 slots and some with 60. Now we have some with 80, one with 65, I think it was one, a, a few, a couple with 50, and most of them were just 40. Um with 40, the way the slot distribution works, uh, certain age groups are going to do poorly compared to others. If you're a woman, you can kind of assume that you, you'll get one slot. And if, you're, if you just happen to be one of the bigger age groups, maybe two. If you're a man uh, and you're kind of under 30 or over 50, you get a couple of slots. And if you're 40 to 44, you might get like seven, eight uh, and that means that effectively, you know, it, even if the race isn't getting particularly or, or the competition isn't getting much faster, there's fewer slots going around, a little bit less roll down probably happening. And it means that if you would uh, five years ago have been 10th and qualified, now you're 10th and you miss out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that's that's i think the biggest dynamic in it uh as we spread the races and it makes it a little bit more of a lottery you know you turn up and even if you're on the cusp of qualifying you just have to have had three or four people also turn up on the cusp of qualifying and suddenly there's a lot more going on as to whether you qualify um so i do think it's harder in that respect uh compared to well certainly 10 years ago yeah. When, when there were races with a lot of slots. Mm. Yeah. Just, just one quick thing. Um, I mean, you don't have this in your article, but maybe you have looked into this. Are we seeing a trend of the age of athletes? You know, like because it's interesting that it's getting slower. Is that reflective that the sport's getting older, or generally speaking, overall, are we still seeing the same proportion of younger people in this game to maybe what we saw ten years ago? Um. Think it's actually been fairly consistent. I'd need to do some numbers just on that to be certain. Yeah, male male forty to forty four has been the big age group for a long time, um, and it may have changed a bit, but it's not changed that much. I certainly think that some things you see are. It feels to me like now when you go from in the men at least when you go from about thirty through to fifty, there's 
a lot of similarities in the age group. They're big. They get a bit faster, kind of peak somewhere either in 35 to 39, 40 to 44, but don't drop off that much before 50. Um, so another interesting factor I find with the aging process is often for athletes now, aging up when you're in that band isn't necessarily much of a help in terms of qualification oh, okay. because everyone else is aging up and still still doing it as well um so you know if you felt like i'm on the cusp in 35 39 maybe i'll be all right when i'm 40 to 44 chances are all of your competitions just gone up with you and they're not dropping out um i kind of unfortunately i've, I've kind of focused on the men there partly because the levels of uh kind of uh, women p- participating in the sport and the numbers at races tend to make uh, their statistics seem a bit more random in the sense that uh, when you've only got one slot on offer, generally, uh, if a really impressive athlete turns up, really fast athlete turns up, suddenly that slot's grabbed with a fast time and that's that. And then on another year, you might have someone who's not quite as fast and it, it, it seems like there's bigger variants going on there. Well, there is um, a big difference between the male and female. Like if we look at last year, you had 80,000 or just over 80,000 athletes competing. 65 yeah. of them were men and 15,000 were females. So it's definitely yeah. a, a male-dominated sport, isn't it? No, completely. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's very strongly biased that way. I think uh, I don't have examples to hand. The US, uh, North America, has a better ratio, more women participating than Europe. Uh, I I think from memory, generally European races come in around 10% and American races are moving up towards 20% uh, uh, female participation. Um, I don't know exactly why, but uh, that that seems to be what I've seen uh, or I remember seeing in previous kind of stuff I've done. Uh, anything else you know you want to get out there uh, a in terms of stats things that <clears throat> that you find kind of cool or or anything you're up to yourself uh in terms of stats i find cool uh, um i think it's interesting i mean it, having started delving into this i want to go a little bit further and start looking at, at things um like I, i'd be quite interested to see whether changes in the number of a Kona slots of a race has any relationship with number of entries. I get the feeling that the answer is no. I, I kind oh. of started to look at it. Um, but I don't think it uh, actually, I don't think Kona slots weigh as much on in terms of drawing people to a race. Uh, as you might think, I think location is probably the biggest thing. Um, uh, yeah, and I'd be interested and, and kind of I still want to explore this idea of whether people are getting slightly faster or, you know, where, how it's getting harder. I, I'd like to have a better demonstration of if it's getting harder to uh, qualify for Kona um, at this point, because certainly it, it's it's something I'm asked a lot and it would be really nice if I could work it out uh, how to answer the question I, I sometimes get asked, which is where should I qualify for Kona? Yeah. Um, because there's no easy answer to that. And nowadays I would tend to say to that one, uh, it's going to be tough wherever you go. Um, th- there aren't really many easy options now. 
Awesome. Okay, guys, look, Russ has got so much stats up there. Um, every, every race, you know, obviously he's a, he's a POM, so, um, but you might think it's all POM dominated, but it's not. They've basically got all the races up there with qualifying times, um, last qualifier, pretty much everything you need to know if you do want to try to figure out that question of where should I go to race. Uh, so go to coachcox.co.uk. If you're in the Bristol area, check out Russ. Uh, he's running the, running the show over there. So uh, as I said again, check it out, coachcox.co.uk. Uh, thanks for your time Russ yeah you're a star thanks mate and cheers no worries any thoughts John I know I just encourage people if you you know if you are asking yourself that question of you know where's the best quali- type place to qualify what are the times like go to coachcox.co.uk and uh, suss although out. he did kind of say it's pretty hard nowadays it is pretty hard <clears throat> um, for guys it's a little bit easier if you are in those middle age groups females I mean just Got to rock up and win. And also, just interestingly, it seems that Ironman may have reached current peak. Oh, yeah. Um, but 70.3, we didn't talk much about that. It'll be interesting. To see. That seems to be the growth right now, doesn't it? Yeah. You definitely get the feeling that there's not going to be expansion. Well, no. I Huge get the feeling amount. in the developed markets where the, where the growth, future growth lies is in the untapped markets in terms of Asia, potentially South America. Um, I guess, but I, I think that might be a bit more 70.3 growth initially, and then iron distance later on yeah and buying and obviously buying races outside of Ironman um, Coach's Corner John let's go at 321 Coach's, Coach's Corner we've got Jack here, and he's got I recently advised uh, to start using heartbeat monitor when for training but I have many complications in understanding the best way to test my maximum heart rate and what zones I should be working in. I bought myself a heart rate monitor and began reading pages and pages of internet advice on the best way to find your max heart rate. I decided on doing a 30-minute time trial for running and only maxed out at 180 beats, having run my fastest mile, fastest kilometre, and a decent 5K inside 19 minutes, and not really being able to push any harder. For cycling, I did the same and got a very similar result. I expected to reach a higher max heart rate, particularly for running. Also, when trying to set my zones, do I use percentages of heart rate? or a heart rate reserve percentage or both uh, give as both give very different numbers i've tried to read into this as much as i can but i simply can't f- uh, find contradictions in everything i find that's the worst thing with the internet isn't it it is you really do get contradictions um any advice you can give uh, would be amazing i'm a huge fan of the show and listening to it blah blah blah, blah, blah. john no but he's also oh, sorry. He's cu- currently uh, on tour a long tour of new zealand from the uk filling as many races as he can he did my corsia classic oh, nice. uh, in january thanks john and challenge wanaka as my f- uh, my first half was incredible so nice work jack I have to say heart rate monitors seem a bit dated nowadays don't well they? Um, as, yes. a, as your main training tool, yes. So I think it, it becomes part of your part of the mix, and, and but it is very complicated. Like you, you go to your settings on your watch, and as Jack said, there's all those different bloody things. You yeah. know, percentage this, percentage that, average whatever. Um, so I think you just need to <laughs> percentage s- that, average whatever. So just simplify things a little bit. Um, so the first thing I'd say, Jack, is in terms of your trying to determine your maximum heart rate, especially with your running, um, the test that you did was was too long um, to actually get that so my advice if you if you are going down the maximum heart rate um, test for for the running is to a a much shorter test and what I'd probably say the most easiest way to do it is part of a regular training session or sort of an interval based session say you're out maybe you're doing some 1k reps or 2k reps not killing yourself out there but then on your last rep you want to have a a, an incline towards the end of it and say for example you might run a 
<clears throat> if, I don't know, 1500 or something like that and have the last couple of hundred metres uh, where you're running uphill. So it might be a building effort and then at the very end you basically have a hill that you can keep going on. It needs to be enough length that you can just absolutely crank it, do your interval, you're How building. Um, five to six minutes or something okay, like that. Yep. So you'd be building your pace throughout. So by the time you get to the hill, you're, you're getting pretty close and then you just work as hard as you can up that hill. When you did a 30-minute test, um, yeah, you're going to get a, quite a high number, but it's not going to be as, as high as your, your, your maximum you're going to be able to get to. So that's the first thing. And similar sort of thing would apply on, on the bike, is go out and do your, your bike session, do some intervals, and again, have an incline at the end of a, an interval. And you can't be starting that last interval when you're absolutely poked. You need to have some juice in the tank. So it might not be a hard interval session, but you need to have a bit of incline. That'll help you a lot more to get, your, um, get towards your maximum heart rate. Nice. So looking at your numbers, you said you got up to 180 when you were running uh, and your fastest mile. So as a guesstimate, you'd probably think your max heart rate is probably actually more likely somewhere between 185 and 190. Um, and then you've got to determine you know, what you're going to do with that maximum number. And I think rather than me going through all these different steps and you're trying to write them down, a fairly easy method is to go into Training Peaks or some other tool like that and they've got, um, you can put in your maximum heart rate and they've got different um, ways of calculating your zones, basically just to give yourself a, a starting point and most of them are either five or seven zones um, uh, wide uh, and I tend to prefer the, the seven zones but again you've got even on training peaks there's like six or seven different ways you can calculate it they're going to give you roughly the same number but you just need a starting point to, to get some zones set up and it's going to give you like a an aerobic zone <clears throat> an interval zone uh, like probably like a vo2 max zone it's enough to give you a starting point and then you've got to start gathering some data um, so going off and doing what you've done, you know, doing a time trial, like a 5k race, maybe a 10k race, maybe going and running, you know, again if you're focusing on your running, maybe going and running um, 10 to 15k's at your, what you think is your half Ironman pace and looking at what your heart rate's doing at those different uh different um, intensities and just starting to, to get a bit of a picture because the, the ultimate end game that I think with, with regards to heart rate is to use it as a tool when you're racing uh, is, is a little bit of a limit. So, yeah, for so example, it's not going matches, is it? Yeah. yeah. So, for example, like when I go out and do, say, Challenge Road, I go, right, I want on the bike, I want to be riding ideally 230 to 235 watts. But if my heart rate is above 135 for extended periods, I've got to back that off. Uh, and so those, are, and similar sort of, um, similar applies on the run. So that's what you've got to do over time is try to d figure out what your limits are for racing. So again, you might be going into a half Ironman and you're going, right, I think I can sustain 200 watts for this um, bike ride, um, but I've just got to make sure that I don't go above whatever, 150 beats per minute. Um, and I know that if I'm going you know, lower than say 140, and this is just an examples case, then I probably could actually pick it up a little bit more. So it takes a bit of time, so you can't just go, boom, I've got my maximum heart rate, this is exactly what I need to be able to do. You go, that's my maximum heart rate, these are the zones that Training Peaks or whatever device that I use estimate for my racing, and then you've got to go out and test it. And you've got to go test it for, for fairly long periods. So if it gives you the answer, say, right, your estimated zone for doing an Ironman is uh, 140 beats. You go and ride for two hours at 140 beats, you might think, this is a bit of a bloody joke, this is easy. Um, but it's what happens in that sort of four to six hour zone that's the, that's the crutch of it. So, um, yeah, just, just 
set those zones up initially, go out and do some anaerobic tests in terms of 5k, 10k, then do some longer test sessions at your race intensity, whether it be focusing on halves or fulls, and get a bit of a picture of what you think is sustainable, and then you've just got to go and do a bit of trial and error in terms of racing. But as Bevan said, <clears throat> racing to a precise heart rate is, is a little bit tricky. And also, from my experience from years ago, I always found... It was there two things happened. Either it was way higher for some strange reason, maybe it was just mm-hmm. race day, or it was way lower. Like it was, and also heart rate monitor tools are at the best. Can be a bit unreliable. Yeah. Um, and what you find, like I, I still always remember the Cameron Brown example, you know, he used to race to heart rate. And when power actually came in, he realized that, you know, is if he kept a sustained heart rate all the way through the bike ride, his power consistently dropped off. Um, and so if, you, if your heart rate's a little bit low, that's okay, and because it's probably going to rise a little bit through the day. So, generally, say power is best on the bike with heart rate to support that, and then pace is best on the run with again with heart rate to support that. But just with this, in regards to tools you use, it'd be like the third tool. Well, you, you, you're, on, you're on the bike, it's obviously going to be power. Well, it's a combination. So, on the bike, it's power, um, perceived effort, and heart rate. And yeah. they're all, no, I'd say perceived effort's probably your third. Heart rate is incredibly important because, as you said, often you get out there and your heart rate's way higher than it should be. And if you ignore that and you stick to your power zones, you're in the shit big time. Um, So it is a very important tool, but it is one of the tools that is a bit finicky and quite often doesn't work on race day. Yeah. Uh, Are you using the power of the running? Uh, I have, but... I prefer to keep it simple so and just, pace and and just use pace and uh, and power and, and heart rate to back that up. Yeah, good times. Um, okay, questions and answers. So Richard Parnell sent through the legacy and he's got, hey guys, perhaps a news item for you. Seems that Ironman have changed the validation process for the Kona slots. Once you have the Magic 12, you now only have to complete an Ironman branded race, not a full Ironman, so 70.3 or 5150 count. They seem to have slipped this change in with, and kept it quite quiet. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there who'd like to know this. Just and he also then he came back to me and said, "I'm not sure, so do your research." And well, no, I, I went back to him and said, "Where did you?" you know, I went back to him and said, I, I, "I looked at the Ironman website and it clearly still says for 2018 you need to be doing Ironman races in the year of your legacy and and the previous years as well." So it's not changed on the website. So I went back to Richard because Bev Be- and I have done our investigative uh, journalism. Well, and I actually wrote like, to email. I wrote an email to Ironman on this one. <laughs> yeah, you've been busy. I'm sharp this week, mate, but they haven't come back to me yet. But, so um, I will confirm that. But I, I think it, now, no, no, officially Richard, it's no. Yeah, Richard came back to me and he, he sent me the letter that he got, and it clearly did say, for his instance, that it could be a seventy point. Uh, oh, so he's got be, legacy. Uh, he's in the queue, I think, because Gareth Holbrook, right? He's in the queue. Yeah, I think he gets a slot. I think he gets to do it next year or the year yeah, after. Yeah. Um, but he only started seven point three. He was telling me when we were over in Germany. So I'm with obviously the website. Maybe it's just the website needs to be updated because mm. from what from what we're hearing, it's a pretty significant change. Oh, it's a great change, and, and I totally support it. So well done, Iron Man. But then I'm kind of curious to see because in the past, so if we pull up your little kind of link you've got here, if we look at allocation and validation, you had to have done Iron Man for two years before it as well, hadn't you? And be entered in one for that year. So. Yeah, so like it was basically you kind of three years of commitment. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see. Do you have to have done the two years recently as well? Mm. Like I'm kind of curious to see. I think it's a good thing because I. 
they want to keep people in the system. You understand that. Yeah, but also but what's a realistic? Lot of money. Yeah, yeah, no. And especially the fact that if it is fifty one fifty, that makes it a lot easier for people. Well, and also, you know, like not every year you can do an Ironman. Mm. You know, so it does it makes it a big commitment and uh, you know, we want to make it easy for those who have earned the legacy. So we will confirm once I get my message back from my mates at Ironman. <laughs> and then um but it seems that does seem to be the case. So that's I, I think it's a good move. Lassie Stengard Jensen sent us through an email. She was uh, backing up what we'd said uh, last week about uh, Christina Svenstrup, one who the wins age group overall with a whopping time of nine hours zero zero. That rips your undies, but it's so amazing, but at the same time, rips your undies. And she was wondering whether that's an an Ironman record uh, in terms of any age groupers going under. So if anybody does know of any female age groupers that have broken nine hours, on a course that's not ridiculously short, although it probably still counts, uh, let us know. She also stated that um, Morten Falk Jorgensen was a three-time Olympic uh, medalist, gold in Beijing, did his Ironman debut racing the 30-34, and he had a time of 8.32. Wait, was he a cyclist? Um, I'll have a look. You, you, you yeah, could, I don't know you what sport know. that was in. Uh Imagine you guys if it's like any shot putter. <laughs> Sorry? Imagine if it's like shot putter. Have you guys got any knowledge of a fast Ironman debut for an age group athlete? Jeez, I can't think of anybody that would have gone faster than 8.32 on debut as, on de- an, age as an age grouper. No. And finally... Um, yeah, I think it's a cyclist. Old, cyclist? Oh, no, gold medalist in rowing. I was going to say rowing. Did she say rowing? Yeah, not? no, rowing, yeah. 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 Um, Which makes sense because those guys are exes. They are. Uh, then the final point that Lassie was saying, and I think... I can't remember if I brought this up last week or not, but I think I did. Uh, Alexander Vinokurov. No, I didn't bring it up last week. No, Alexander Vinokurov, 45 to 49 age group, because he'd done a half recently. I do remember bringing that up. Uh, he's qualified for Kona with a bike split of 4.19 with a mechanical. And the top guys were only riding, I think, 4.18 or something like that. Again, if he was on the podium in front of me, he is, he is out of my age group. But yeah. if he was in my age group, I'd feel pretty bad about that one. Yeah, you would indeed. So Ask, he was an Olympic, uh, won the Olympic gold medal, but also served a drug ban, and he was on so the did As- Astana team. Like Hamilton did? No, I don't believe so. I'm not categorical on that, so pull me up yeah, on it if yeah. I don't know, but it was a, a different infraction, and he was on the Astana team. And Astana just, just means. Uh, Skip Slade just sent through. I received uh, this from Ironman. Cause I'm doing Ironman Arizona. Um, it's a sprint race the day before. Interesting. I personally think it has potential to hook people in. I, I bring a big contingent to the race as a coach, uh, and they might consider doing this as a chance to race the same venue. And it's really a super sprint, so you can you can't tell where the course goes. I would just hope it doesn't take away from other local races, which there are many of. So it's interesting they're starting to open up. Little, just doing a little super sprint try the day before. So it's a good thing. It's not. Not uncommon with other races around the world. Um, like I know in Zurich, they have a 51.50 the day before, because I remember it might have been Spirig or Reef maybe did it one year. She did the 51.50 on the Saturday and then did the Ironman on the Sunday. Uh, but yeah, so they've got a little, little super sprint in there for, for beginner, or for, for, I guess, targeted at um, novice athletes. And good old Tim Hemming sent through an email just talking about the ultra 51, uh, 520k. Uh, Kate Walton won it uh, the weekend before last in Canada and her husband Ross edited a three-part video series that documents the achievement. Ross won the race himself a couple years back. The vids are about 10 minutes each but shot quite well and they give an excellent taste of what it would be like for anyone racing or crewing an Ultraman event. They also give a spectacular insight into Penticton. Possibly wanted to share with the listeners and I'll put all the links in the show notes for today's show. 
So that was the, uh, the Ultraman over in Canada a couple of weeks ago. Just a couple of quick ones, John. Yep. Uh, the mountain snail, just look at the photo down the bottom, John. The mountain snail sent through this that, week's yeah. photo, and it's a photo from a helmet cam of someone cycling with a magpie just about to attack. It's yeah. a great photo. Magpie season hasn't started in New Zealand yet. It's usually sort of September time, but uh, it looks season. like it might have started in Australia. Good old John. Um, Murray the whole of hammer, just giving you a bit of a hard time. Murray's getting busy on it. He's, uh, Murray was quite prolific on the emails here. He's like, boom, boom, boom. They're all starting to come through, weren't they? Yeah, Murray, mate, give us a break. Uh, John's coaching program is so effective that one of his ITU champ athletes has a leg problem in the swimming pool. To the extent that John was swimming in about the fifth or sixth, second to last, place on Friday, I no longer even qualify for that lane. He does not. It's getting busy in the speedy lane at Pioneer. Is it? Um, slightly in my defence, I hadn't been swimming for three weeks. <laughs> All I, I'm hearing is excuses. And I only swim once a week, and I wanted those guys to have a quality workout. Oh, of course, you, you sacrificed yourself, didn't you, John? You did yeah. indeed. Okay, uh, patrons. We've got two new patrons. We have good old uh, Pete, the insider. Colson's back on board. So thank you, Pete. Yeah, we really appreciate your support, mate. And, and Pete is good because he will just sometimes focus on him. I say, you know, this one. <laughs> and yeah. Paula Ryan. So you have a bit, a bit of a think about this one. Uh, I'm from Paula the Sunshine Ryan. Coast, Queensland, Australia. My local tri club is the Kalandura Triathlon Club. We certainly have a pretty good, pretty good here with excellent climbs on the hinterland rides. Awesome beaches for open water swimming and weather that allows for year-round training. That weather looked pretty shit last weekend at the uh, at the 70.3 in Malulabar. Anyway, as well as the Noosa and Malulabar Triathlon Festivals, they're both Olympic distance races. I also enjoy supporting our local surf club as a volunteer surf lifesaver and a previously rode surf boats competitively. Uh, I started um, triathlon in 2016 and competed my first 70.3 at Taupo in 2018 and looking forward to increasing my experience and building towards a full Ironman in the future I think we've got to go down the surf life saving angle here Bevan okay you give um, me what you think John <clears throat> I haven't got anything immediately coming right I'm thinking uh, Baywatch or something like that but if um, uh, but if you've never ever seen if you haven't seen the um, what about the rowing of, rowing of surf boats before try to do a bit just do a google search on surf boat rowing in australia when those things go on the surf they are amazing to watch we've well, got this big rowing boat and you have i don't know they probably have six six on board plus a skip at the back with the steering and when they catch we have to go through the surf it's a it's impressive going out but b if they get it wrong on the way in uh it goes terribly wrong and they all have their all the time they all have their um togs up their up their butt crack oh really oh yeah oh you yeah. love it you bash <laughs> the seat up and you put the togs up the butt crack well i've got a couple angles here i like wave crusher Okay, there you go. Yeah, I do like a wave crusher. Crusher. Wave crusher. Wave crusher. Mm-hmm. I do like that because she's a wave crusher. And then I started looking at Ryan famous names, Ryan Gosling. And he had a nickname in Remember the Titans, and I can't remember what that was, so I was trying to find that. But then I actually went wave crusher. Works. I think wave crusher. She's from yeah. Australia. She does crush the waves. Yeah. She crushes it. Nice. There we go. So... Here we go. Thank you so much for being a patron of the show, Paula. You bloody rock star. Um, if you want to become a patron of the show, just go to www.iamtalk.me. It's all very obvious. Obviously, Paula figured out, although she's a very smart woman. So you might need a bit of guidance. <laughs> so go to the, it's on the page. It's all pretty simple. You support. You get something back in return. And uh, it's all good stuff. Jombo sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your Lactic Buffer. And our patrons. And John, you know what I just talked about? 
Okay, become a patron, support the boys doing what we do. If you want to email us, you can email us at iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to get the show email to you, just go to iamtalk.me. And it's obvious on the web, there's a little, little kind of sign up page on the website. And other than that, John, I think that's pretty much all I need to do for plugs. What's your goss? I'm about to go out for just a little ride um, to, got the next round of the JD Giraffe on this weekend. So I've got to just go check out the course, make sure there's no hazards out there. I rode out of my driveway the other day and up the, up the road. It's a bit of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do it cedar, would you? Uh, you know, you have to do. I have to do it seated, but your front wheel is jumping off the ground a little bit. Oh, I did it. I did it standing. You did it standing. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? No, it's Live fairly steep. I would be picking. That's getting close to twenty percent. And it's and it's not. It's a good, probably a hundred meters, a couple hundred yeah. meters, isn't it? It's yeah. not. It's not just you know get over the first bump. No, you got to you got to get up there. It's solid. I reckon. I actually reckon from that little roundabout there to the top of that is a great hill repeat. That's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Yeah, really good strength. Yeah, yeah. And a run hill repeats as well. Oh, that's a. It's gonna work your Achilles and calves over pretty damn hard. Exactly. Exactly. Run yes, that'd be a good session for extra mile runners, Bevan. That's Just, right. Uh, right. Have a, 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 a station out front of my house. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Perfect. So we have got JD Giraffe on this like, this weekend. Had a pub quiz on Sunday. Oh, back it up. How'd you go? We didn't do so well. Yeah. They, they they really weren't very results orientated. What do you mean? Um, well, they ended up doing first and second, but we didn't actually even see, see where we were. Um, so it was more about just giving it a go. Was it doing one of those TV ones where they have the same questions? That, that, you know? Yeah. When I do a pub quiz, ones. I like to make my own questions. Right. Yeah. I do yeah. it for the running. We have an event every year, although we haven't done it last year, but, um, and I put on a quiz and I go find all the answers. Yep. You know, nice. you got to think of the audience and all the mm-hmm. rest of it. That's um, the thing; they really let themselves down. In the sport, it's sport and games. So I said, that's our bonus around sport and games yeah. and geography. No brainer. But they just start pulling out these games questions now. Like the two of the questions within sporting was gaming characters. I'm uh, like, really, John? And then I got the famous New Zealand runner wrong. It was. Oh um, come on, Yusuf! I thought it was um, Murray Halberg, and it was Jack Lovelock. It was a black and white picture. Go, Jack! Yeah. Terrorously, I'm going to find the commentating. This is one of the most beautiful commentators of all time. It's about 19, what, 30s? No, it's later than that. I, I don't know. And the commentator, who's a, who's a pommy commentator. It's definitely later than that. Um, wait a second, Jack Lovelock. Yeah. And the commentator is obviously a good friend of him. Right. And and he's literally saying, come on, Jack, you can do it. You know, like it's, wait a second. <laughs> he's um, an English commentator though, isn't he? Yeah. Anyhow, so did, did 1936. that. Oh, I take that back. Yeah. I was wrong. Wait a second. I'm going to try to find the commentator. So I'll, I'll fast forward to it a bit. So what else is happening, Bevan? Um, went to a park run on Saturday. Thought I need to bang out. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. It's still a while to go. I can't hear it. I'm going to pull up once it gets... Oh, this is exciting podcasting. I would say, if you do want to... Go oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's about a minute, but it's gold. It's great commentating. I'm sitting here and I can't even understand what he's saying. Come on, Jack. Come on, Jack. Jack. It's beautiful commentating. Um, Sorry, you were saying? 
So we went into the park run. Oh. I would say go into. If, they're, they're great, aren't they? They're very good. It, it was a lap. There was a bit, a bit of your extra mile runner type stuff going in. You know, a yeah. bit of bit of hand clapping. Yes. In yeah. terms of supporting people. It's <laughs> yeah. a good of, thing to do. Oh, yeah. You just got to toughen them up. Um, <laughs> toughen them up. You know, there was a guy from Latvia who just beat me. Uh, who was running? There was uh, a couple of hundred people there, and you know, they get the people. What time did you? Fifty. I did. Seventeen oh. Eight, I think it was. Seventeen oh eight, which is uh, that's better than a few weeks ago because you're twenty two. It, it? it was a touch short. Oh right? come on, park run. <laughs> well, <laughs> they got one job. They don't even do five k. Well, no, I mean you get variation. I I, I measured it at four point nine. I saw other people with four point nine five. Okay, so it's. And, and you're going around corners and trees and stuff. And I would say the trees were just screwing with my, uh, oh, with my GPS. I was like, I'm not running that fast. And then I'm not running that slow. Where'd you anyway, get overall? Uh, third. So, oh, nice yeah. so it was good to get that bang out. I might go back this week and see if I can just get a little improvement. Outside of that, Bevan, um, that's about it for now. What hmm. about what's happening with you? Went up to Hamilton. When was the last time you went to Hamilton? <laughs> I reckon... I think I've been to Hamilton in my life. I think. You have? <laughs> I went to Jamboree, the Scout Jamboree. Were you in the Scouts? I was in the Scouts. What's Scout the main Jam- thing you learned from Scouting? Oh, just good knot tying and just outdoor skills. Um, Does Thomas do Scout? No. Um, <laughs> you don't want to give him those skills. I'll tell you another story about Scouts. <laughs> I can tell you one as well, but I don't think I want to. I, yeah, best leave those things away from the um, So, what was I saying? Um, you went to the Jamboree up in Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton. I think we went through Hamilton. That's about it. That's yeah. about my Hamilton experience. Yeah, I went up to Hamilton and I was pretty much working. Okay, good kebabs in Hamilton. Mm. Do you like a kebab? Oh, the meat's a bit questionable sometimes. Oh, that's the best thing about it. The oil's just coming out of it. Mm. Get it all over your top. Okay. Sensational. Is that a good kebab? Um, Joe's turning 42, maybe. 42. Yep, she'll be 42. She's yep. my year. It's on Thursday. Yep, she'd go good, yeah. Maybe one, okay, don't tell her. I hope she's going to hear it right now. I've got her some perfume, although she kind of let me know she wanted perfume. Right. So I went to the I went to the perfume shop. Joe Malone? Who's Joe Malone? That's top quality perfume. Well, based on how much I paid John, I think this is pretty top quality yeah. perfume. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I went to the perfume shop. I don't want to speak to her because she might be able to hear. anybody hear this? Well, hopefully you can because I, cause was, cause I went to the perfume shop and I knew the guy behind the counter. So I thought, sweet, they might hook me up. And he goes, and I don't know how much perfume costs. Do you, do you know how much perfume costs? Yep. It's not cheap, John. No. But I didn't know that at the time. So I just kind of said, oh, and she, she kind of pointed to the one. I knew, yeah, you know, I can't go wrong. So she said, do you want 50 mils or 100 mils? Yeah. What do you do? You go 100. <laughs> go 100. So I go, okay, 100 mils, here you go. Yeah, 100 mils, ain't no worries. Get my guard out, puts the price in. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> <laughs> $230. Blind the budget. Oh, matey potato. So, again, I'm not complaining because I love my wife and I want to keep her happy, but next time I'll probably get a 50 mils. <laughs> nice. Jeepers, creepers, perfume. We need, to be in the, we need to bring out Iron Talk perfume. We should do that in the cookbook. They'll be best sellers. <laughs> we'll be at number one on Amazon and both. <laughs> <laughs> what would be our smell? Jeff Bezos will be going. What's all this activity on Amazon? We'll make what, him, what the hell? He's going already on? richest man in the world. We'll make him even more richer. Yeah. Um. So that's 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 exciting. She doesn't want to do anything on her birthday, but mm-hmm. are you do you like your birthday day? Uh, I've been away the last couple of years. Germany, <laughs> family and, man, uh, good family. And then man. the year before that was uh, France, and I went on my bloody epic training day. So I haven't actually seen much of the family on my birthday. Yeah. Father's Day this weekend. Oh, yeah. Do you drop hints from what you want? I don't get, yeah. 
What do you want? I'm getting a pair of track pants. Oh, tell you what, trackies. Where did you get your trackies from? Well, it's a pretty shit choice, really. Go to ASOS.com. Right. Oh my God, John! I've discovered. Like, you know my twenty-five dollar t-shirt policy. Yeah. Well, ASOS.com is easy. Right. ASOS.com, and the great thing about it is, is I think it's ASOS something like that. They ship it here. Mm. Doesn't fit. You don't like it. Just put it back in the bag. They take all the shipping fees. Nice. And and good brands and all the rest of it. I don't want to promote ASOS.com. Yeah, I've been but three or four times already. It works in my in my tees because I bought a t-shirt the other day from there. Mons Royale, you can't have barely got that for 25 bucks. No, I got this from the old Challenge Wanaka, pretty cheap, but yeah. that's a good reason to challenge Wanaka because they have the sale of this stuff there. Right. And it's dirt cheap. Like I, I think I only paid like 50 bucks for this and this would normally yeah. be like 180. Yeah. Mons Royale. Okay, here's the trick about Mons Royale. Do you know the trick about it? No. Stephanie, porn his wife, taught me this. If you look down, it's snow upside down. Right. See? Yeah, see? nice. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so there you go. Um, so yes. So, um, and other than that, John, this week, Joe's birthday, family dinner. He'll rips up and up and down your driveway. Going straight after this, mate. Get your, get your yeah. shoes on. Yeah. Although I did notice you brought your muddy shoes inside my house. I put them upside down though, didn't I? There's no mud coming. Did you off walk then. into here? No. Oh, okay, that's okay then. Because this house is prestige, and we don't need mud in this house. Yeah. <laughs> so then, other than that, John, no. I'm Russ. I'm in a train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.